And the Lord led this word on my heart, uh, greatly challenged to the point where I thought, Lord, please never let it be and never allow me to be someone who worships you only from my lips. My heart is far from you. God forbid it would happen in our assembly and CET. God forbid it's any of our hearts this morning. It's grave, very grave. The message is grave this morning. Um, but yet I trust that we will all have a, a look, an examination at ourselves, not at each other. It's not a condemnation of any one person, but rather we believe this morning that the Lord has laid something on us that we may have an examination of our hearts and see where we really are within ourselves before God. Will you turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 29? We'll just lift one verse out, but there's a lot could be said on this chapter, which I might touch on uh, time willing. Isaiah 29, please. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, notice the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips to honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Let us pray. Father, Never let it be so done in our hearts. Never let it be so said among us in our assembly. We pray by your spirit and through your word you will take us and speak deep into our being. Fortify us. Convict us. And convince us, Lord. Never let it be so said that our hearts, nor never let it be done, that they are far from you and removed by us, away from your loving care, and away from you altogether. We pray this morning, Father, for each and every one here. We thank you for such a turnout on a, a foggy, frosty, cold morning. For those who are watching live or later, we pray your word would still continue to speak, for the word of God is never bound. And so now we pray, Father, you would shut each and every one of us in with thyself. I'm conscious of you this morning. Help me to say, Nothing that would be an offense to you, Holy Spirit. Use us this morning for your glory. And take this man up in your spirit for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to that end, Father, we ask you now to speak to our hearts. 
glorify your Son. We tell you, even as it's already been said this morning, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to simply entitle this morning, The Removed Heart and Laboring Lips. God willing, you'll see, I'll be able to explain where I got that title, especially The Laboring Lips. I took it from an old Puritan. Ancient Israel, especially here, the southern kingdom of Judah, and more especially the city of Jerusalem, they draw nigh or they draw near to God, but their heart, he says, is far from me. He says, in fact, that is God says, they have removed their heart. Notice they have removed their heart far from me. The term here that they have removed their heart, it gives the idea to become distant to become remote, to be far away from God. They have become distant in heart. They have become remote in their heart from me. They have become far away and distant from me, said the Lord. Trust this morning. If that is you this morning, I trust this will be the morning when The Spirit of God will awaken our hearts to draw us back to where we should be with Him. You can be away in your heart and sitting in a meeting. Other things capture your attention. You be away in your heart and drift off and we all lose attention at times. That's a human frailty of ours. But this is a speaking of a going on and on and a going on in this condition where we allow, we remove ourselves from that which we used to be before God the place of prayer the sin of prayerlessness lack of faith in Christ notice here it says here that they have that is Israel have removed their heart far from me, distant and remote, and they are far away from me. We could say this of our nation today. I trust we aren't saying this about our assembly today. And at all, some point in time, our hearts drift. Of course they do. We're human frame. We, we do those things. But he's speaking of a period of time when God's word was given to them and they would not listen. God's word was prophesied to them and they wouldn't take heed but rather walked in their own ways did that which was right in their own eyes and done their own thing. God's house was far from them. A take it or leave it to worship God. This is not a condemnation this morning. I want to repeat that. But I believe the Lord has laid this on our hearts and even coming down this morning in the car, I was praying. I was up 
early as always and I was reading and I was praying and seeking the Lord and coming down in the car and it was icy and the road, the road was slippy and I was saying, Lord, all I could think of was, Lord, please never let me, never allow me. Never allow my heart to be removed from you. Your heart can be removed from the Lord, even in church, in the meeting. Jerusalem here in particular on the people of the sovereign kingdom of Judah, you're saying all the right things. You're looking the part and you look good. You have the temple, it's still going. Everything looks fine. Religiously, you're looking well, but that's all it is. You're looking the part, but you're fooling yourself. God actually, it is believed, becomes sarcastic. I want in a human uh, point from here. Uh, he's being sarcastic with them because at the beginning of the chapter, look what it says in verse 1. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel the city where David dwelt. Aji, year to year, let them kill sacrifices Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be unto me as Ariel. That's Jerusalem. We'll look at it a little later. It has a specific meaning. And the Lord is saying to, uh, a lot of commentators are saying, I looked up in Hebrew texts, and they say, they believe that God was, as it were, being sarcastic with them. He's had enough. I've told you, I've sent preachers, prophets. I've given you warning. And yet, R.E.L., yet we could say United Kingdom. We could say Northern Ireland. We could say Ireland. Yet you won't listen. And you've turned away from me. You've sent your heart far away from me. You're putting on a show. And it's just a big pretense. You come to me and you say all the right things in an attempt to make something that is not the case to appear true. This is the idea of the Lord here. And I'm, I'm speaking this this morning because I'm concerned. I was looking at myself. So this is a double-edged sword. It cut me all week examining myself. Where am I with God? What has been my prayer life? Where's been my center of worship, my thinking? Has other things distracted me rather than being in the place of God? You know, is it, is it the magazine if... I know that's old hot now, but is it the magazine before the Word of God? Is it the movie before the place of worship? Is it the comfort before coming to Christ? Is it your phone instead of paying attention? Is it another love or is it another thing? Is it something else? And you said, just this once until it's been just this once every week. Boy, he's cutting me hard this morning. No, it's not me. 
It's God's word. Imagine, this is what I've written. Imagine, if you will, for a moment, if you can, if God was as unstable and as unreliable as the heart of man and woman is, what would we be like? What would our nation be like? Our people be like? What would the world be like? If God was as unstable and as unreliable to remove his heart from you and to remove his heart from me whenever he deemed it that he wanted to. Whenever he thought things are just, uh, well, things are, are, are a bit more difficult for them and I can't be bothered with them. What would it be like? We would soon be like the psalmist, you and I, brothers and sisters. Psalm 38 and verse 21. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Verse 22. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. That's what we would be like. Can God grab your attention this morning? Can God grab your attention this morning? In Psalm 22 and in verse 11, Psalm 22 is known as the prophetic psalm of the cross. Psalmist writes, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Notice, be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Here, a projection of, of prophecy of Christ dying alone on the cross for our sin. What if he changed his mind? I, I know that's a, a, an incomprehensible to, to, to think like that. And he never would because he'd come with a plan and a purpose. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it flippantly. But what if God's heart was like ours? And unfortunately, sometimes we measure our heart and think God's is like that. Think about the Lord Jesus on the cross and he says to his father, think about this, he says to his father, be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help. We sing it, he took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Sing it all the time. And through the spirit of prophecy, being a testimony of the Lord Jesus, here in Psalm 22, praise God that the Lord Jesus, he was put away. God's heart was, as it were, removed from him, that it would not be removed from you and me. He was our substitute, our sin bearer. Praise God, the Lord Jesus took our place. that we might be brought in. And God's heart will never be removed from all of those who are in Christ. Thank God he does not change. He doesn't change. It's you and I who change.
My love is oft times low. My joy still ebbs and flows. But peace with him remains the same. No change, Jehovah knows. Jesus came that we who were far away from the Lord may be reconciled to God. Romans 5 and 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Brothers and sisters, we're not removed, but we are reconciled. We're not removed far, but reconciled. But we remove our hearts from him who has reconciled us to the Father. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And in the in this tense, in the very, uh, the same Greek term, it, it is the word rohach. And because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he, he's our sin bearer and he's reconciled us to God, because he paid our debt and he brought us in when we were shut out, now we shut out God instead of bringing him in. And as far as he says from the west, so far hath he removed, it's the same word, Ruach, as in Isaiah 29 and 13. For this people have removed their heart far from me. It's the same word. God has put us and our sins to a distant, remote place from each other that will never stand in the judgment of God because we sinned in our lives. Because... His son died for us and paid our debt and we are brought in and reconciled to God. Now Yahweh says to Jerusalem, the inhabitants of it and Judah, Isaiah 29 and 13. Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me, with their mouth. Now take note, with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Notice the Lord says, This people are coming to me saying the right things. Look in the part, saying the right things. Their heart is away somewhere else. Anybody in the meeting this morning watching, you say the right things. But it's been a long time since the Lord and you have been together in closeness and fellowship, just one with the other. Heart, touching heart. Heart, touching heart. We say the right things. 
we pray the prayers. It could even be at a set time in the morning and even a set time during the day or the evening. But that's all it is, a set time. It's nothing fresh. It's nothing new. We go before him and give the shopping list because that's what we do. No, it's not relationship with him. Notice here, he says that they have drawn near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And this is what I've written. You can't always tell a person's heart by what they say. Stay with me. As some are good at speech, speaking and spiel, you can't tell by what they do. As many can look the part, we can't always tell. But when someone's heart is not right with God, it comes out. It eventually leaks out. And their true heart and place with Christ or without Christ comes forth in their lifestyle, in their waywardness, Away from God, the last place they want to be is the prayer meeting. If you're away from God, the last place you want to be is in your place of prayer, your closet. When you're cold and indifferent, the last place you want to be is sitting with the Word of God open and in the place of prayer and living and doing what is right. The heart is far from God, but when you are in communion, and fellowship with Christ. When you and I, I'm speaking to me, by the way, I've spoke to me all week. It's not condemnation, I've said that. I'm speaking to me, I check myself. It has to come to me first. Where's my communion with Christ? And we say, I've prayed it before, Lord, I want to be the way I used to be. And then I realize I don't. I want to be further on than I used to be. Deeper in than I used to be. Closer to you than I used to be. And even in love with you. More than I even used to be. Eventually it comes out for the the person away estranged from God who has removed their heart. The last place they want to go to is church. Someone in conviction of lifestyle, the last place they want to be is somewhere like this this morning. That's honest speak, isn't it? I'm being true and honest. The last place we want to be. And in our minds think, well, we can't serve. We can't do because of this. Rather than putting this right and getting ourselves back to where we were with God and walking on with Him in grace. Continue on the road. We get further away. We've removed our hearts more and more from him. A continuous lifestyle with a continuous wayward heart will show the heart eventually. So you can't always tell a person's heart by what they say or even by what they do. Here and there, because we're all human. We all, we're all like that at times. Every one of us. 
We must be careful not to judge a person as bad or evil or wicked or even backslidden just because they don't worship in the meeting the way you do. Because it's not the expression, it's the heart. I believe in raising my hands in worship. You know that I do that. I believe that. But I've seen people in meetings, oh, and they're so in tune with God, and the song is fantastic, and they're worshiping away, and next thing they do this, and they're looking around them. Their heart's away. Far from him. Yet I've seen people who are standing as though they're stoic, but their hearts are in tune. And vice versa. There are those who are stoic. Some years ago, uh, a church was pretty hard and difficult to get people stirred up in the Lord, to get them to, to motivate it in their heart. And the worship leader was telling Allison and I one time, he says, you know, when I stand up to lead the praise, it's like people are standing looking at me saying, make me worship if you can. Go. Make me worship if you can. And he says, I just, I struggle every time. Brothers and sisters, let us not be too quick to judge one another for who knows the heart but God. We must not judge as bad or evil or wicked or even backslidden because of one event or one season in their life. People go through bad periods, go through a bad day, bad week, a bad meeting as such in the sense where they're they're struggling. This isn't what this is. This is a continuously away from God. More worldliness than godliness. Away from him. The heart, he says, they've taken it away from me. Notice, they have done it. They're believers. They have done it. They're my people. They have done it. And we have seen that in a national sense even. Ireland, a land of saints and scholars, and unfortunately most of Ireland was under the cause of Rome and knew nothing of the gospel. But the UK, so-called Christian country, have taken their hearts far away from God. Even much of the church now, unfortunately, have taken their hearts so far away from God, they allow everything and anything in. From blessing same-sex marriage to appeasement to the abortionists. To drag queens in the pulpit. Brothers and sisters, you will know them eventually by their fruit. Will you turn with me to Luke 6, please? Luke chapter 6. 
And let your eye just run down the chapter for time's sake, please, to verse 43. The Lord Jesus said, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. Would you say own fruit? Your, as it were, fruit that you produce is your own fruit, whether close to God and the Spirit and the Word or the flesh and the world. For every tree is known by his own fruit, for of thorns men do gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the, for the abundance of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. I met a man, Alison and I were out for a walk with Harley Davidson yesterday. Just up through Warringstown and on the way back, I met a man and his wife who have known for quite some time, hadn't seen him in quite some time. Maybe some of you would know him, Doogie Barr. So I met Doogie and his wife and they said hello and stopped to talk. See our whole conversation, it was about the Lord. Just about the Lord. He struck it up and we talked about the Lord. And he told me he was in Donegal and he was in this town in Donegal and he was sitting on a summer seat during the summer and a man comes along and heard him speaking and says to Doogie Barr, are you an Ulster Protestant? Doogie went, well, suppose, yeah. I'm a Christian, he says, really. He says, right. I hate Ulster Protestants. And I hate you too. Never met them on in his life. So Doogie says, why don't you sit in the seat beside me and let's talk about why you hate me. Started talking about it and Doogie talked about the Lord Jesus. And he led them on to the Lord. <laughs> and he took them to church. And they went to church and everybody was over saying hello. And on the way out, someone from the church who Doogie doesn't know came up and said to him, Doogie, do you know who that is? He says, I had no idea. When he met him, he says, that's one of the top provosts of Donegal. Saved by the grace of God. See, Doogie talked about the Lord and there's fruit. Christ, about his blood. There's fruit. His heart isn't far from the Lord. When your heart's far from the Lord, you don't talk about the things of God. You talk about others. <laughs> Isn't it true? I said, do I praise God. He said, I went to the Kelly Halvin. And he says, I went for a wee rest, but I thought I'd bring a couple of tracks just in case. And I was in the jacuzzi. <laughs> 
And a man and woman got into a jacuzzi and started talking to me and asked me what I did. He says, I'm an evangelist. I says, well, what's that? And he says, and in the jacuzzi, I talked to them about the Lord. <laughs> I says, bubbling waters, living waters are in there. <laughs> and he says, I did. I talked to them about the Lord. And he led the two of them to the Lord in the, in the jacuzzi. <laughs> People might think, well, that's a bit irreverent, is it? We meet the people where they are. And if our hearts are in tune with him, we will talk about him and the fruit will produce. Talk about him. Brothers and sisters, let's not judge one another on one event, two events, a, 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 a week, a, a bad season somebody's going through. But as their life goes and there's no change, how do I say this? I'll just say it. Listen, if there's no change, there's no Christ. If there's no change, there's no Christ. God looks at the national heart of Judah and he looks at the religious services in Jerusalem at the temple. And he says to them, Ariel, I'm coming against you. I've sent, I've had enough. Would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 3? And let's just look at a verse or so here. Revelation 3, please. Verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write. Will you say Sardis? Sardis. Trying to keep your attention on the word. Not even on the screen as much, but on the word. Sardis means a precious stone. And the seven churches, as I've taught before, are literal churches. But there were seven church, if you want, ages coming right up till today. Starting at... Ephesus, coming right up to today, the last church before the coming of the Lord, uh, the church of the Laodiceans, the lukewarm church, the church that removes its heart from God. And here, Ephesus, going in time scale now, we bring us up to the Reformation and the Reformers. And notice what it says, and unto the angel of the church of Sardis, the church that is like a precious stone, in other words, the church in time which is in history where the reformers came forth, the just shall live by faith, breaking free from Romanism. Now notice this. These things saith he that have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. And he's saying to them, look, here's... Such a revelation of the just shall live by faith. You have got this name now, reformers. But in many ways, there's still a lot of death about it, deadness about it, hardness about it. Notice, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. God forbid that in our 
church here. I'm being parochial here with this, but in anywhere, I prayed for all gospel, Bible-believing churches. Don't get me wrong, but for ourselves, God forbid it that it would say, you have a name, Christ Encounters, tabernacle that you're alive, but you're dead. Dead toward God. Bereft of the Spirit. When I was putting this together, it really challenged me. And I'll be honest, I don't mean this to sound strange, but it frightened me. It put chills in me. Look at what it says in verse 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. There is our hope. You see, when the reformers were coming out, they still held on to some of the things for a while. And uh, really, to be reformer means you're continually reforming. Something else needs reformed. Something else needs reformed. Something else needs reformed. You, you're continually reforming. And that's what happened from, uh, for example, Martin Luther. Some of them held on to the Mass until they realized the blasphemous deeds of it. And then they left that behind. Then they wondered, well, which is the right way for this? And they searched the Scriptures to find uh, the, the, the breaking of bread, as we would call it, and so forth. And then it goes on from there. And it develops until right through, until God poured out His Spirit. Again, upon us. Notice this. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Here's God's warning to us. He says, now you're hearing it. And maybe, maybe that's to you. I don't know. I'm just leaving that with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're hearing it, he says. This morning you're hearing it. It's in your ears and let it drop into your heart. You're hearing it. God says, be watchful now and strengthen that which remains. In other words, we need to get our act together and seeking his face for the blessing of the Holy Spirit individually and as an assembly and nationally. But parochial sense with ourselves and individually the Word of God, when it comes, it says to me, when I was reading it during the week and writing this, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to lay aside. Here's what you need to get rid of. You need to come over here, and you need to be sick of me about this. And I said, okay, Lord, show me. And I struggled with some things. Because we struggle with these things. And I struggled with some but I'm reforming. I'm reforming. Okay, Lord, it's yours. Something else, okay, Lord, it's yours. I'm more than willing to give it up and give it over. So take note of this, brothers and sisters. He says... For I have not found thy works perfect. So in Isaiah 29 and 13, I'm going to round this up in a couple of minutes. It says, And their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. In other words, we, we, we listen to everyone but the Lord. 
Why is it when we need to know something? Why is it when we, we need to, uh, we have a problem, we run to uh, human agency? It's good to have someone you can talk to, don't get me wrong. But why is it we do that rather than straight to the throne of grace? And what does the Lord's word say on this issue? Yet for the last few years, we've done nothing but listen to government who were lying to us through their teeth. We listen to what we should do in religious practice and ritual. No matter where it comes from, and they lie through their teeth. God says, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of man. In other words, they had no fear of God within themselves, and anything they knew of God was taught by God, taught by man. I want to read this, and then I'm going to close. I might do another one because of so much material on it. Listen to Matthew Henry, the prince of the commentators. And as I said, this is where the removed heart and laboring lips, the title came from. Obviously, the heart is removed. Listen, this is where I got the laboring lips. Pay attention to this, will you? Matthew Henry says, There are many whose religion is lip labor only. There are many whose religion is lip labor only. They say that which expresses an approach to God and an adoration of him, but it is only from the teeth outward. Not tremendous, that. It's only from the teeth outward. It's not in here. From the teeth outward. I'll, I'll, I'll go on. They do not make the word of God the rule of their worship, nor his will the reason. They worship the God of Israel not according to his appointment, but their own inventions, the direction of their false prophets or their idolatrous kings. Listen. When King Charles was coronated, I watched the coronation service. And, and it's a very poignant thing. I, I, I thought, I, I love that sort of, I love that sort of thing to listen to it and see what's happening in it. And, and I, I like that sort of thing. But, but he was almost, as it were, forcibly told that he had to mention that he would be the defender of faith or the faith, the reformed faith in particular. Now, this is before the coronation, and he had to say that. He didn't want to say that. And just even as Matthew Henry's pointing out to the kings in Israel here, what I see here is the idolatrous kings is that he swears that and he makes mention of that, the reformed faith, yet he does everything but that. Not only is he a globalist, he does everything but it. There's a king in Israel. There's a king in Britain. And he's an idolatrous king. He's idolatrous. 
their own imaginations, the direction of their false prophets or their idolaters, kings, or the usages of the nations about them. The tradition of the elders was more value and validity with them than the laws which God commanded Moses. Listen, I'll stop there because of too much material. Maybe do part two next week. You'll see how I feel led. R.A.L. Here's a snippet for next week. Well, just in case I do or don't. R.A.L. means Jerusalem. But you know what it also means? Lion of God. L-I-O-N, the Lion of God. Or some say it means the Lioness of God. And Israel, the woman, was married to God. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ. The bridegroom. It also means a hearth. As in collecting ashes from the fire. The hearth of God or where the fire is, where the fire fell. That was Jerusalem and now God is coming and he's saying, see the way your heart used to be? And all your pomp and ceremony You've taken your heart away from me. Remember how you used to be, brother? Remember how you used to be, sister? There's nothing too much or too difficult. You had even raced home and you'd have done without your dinner to get to the meeting. Come on, let's be honest, wouldn't you? You were so in love with Jesus. Couldn't wait to get to a prayer meeting. Do you know why? Our prayer meetings are well attended, so this isn't for any reason of that. But couldn't wait to get to a prayer meeting. Because there you were meeting with God, with your brothers and sisters. Why well, can meet him in my house? Yeah, you can. That's the point. We need you to do that. God says to do that. But he also calls us to not forsaken the assembling ourselves together as a manner of some is. Do you remember whenever you'd have went anywhere, done anything, you'd have given everything for him. Everything. You'd have given up everything you loved in life and everything you lusted after. Whenever you got saved, sure, the drink went, well, I hope it did, went out the window. When I got saved, there was more alcohol. When I got saved, there was no more drugs. When I got saved, there was no more bookies. Not that I went that much, but I did from time to time. When I got saved, it all went. Was there times my heart was challenged? Yes. Was there times my heart was pulled upon? Yes. Was there times when it really gripped hold of me and I was tempted and tried sore? Yes, yes, and yes. But he keeps me. He saves you and he keeps you. It's when our hearts, we remove our hearts from him, it's then we are in difficulty. It's saying the church attendance goes. It's saying the meetings don't matter. It's saying, the, first of all, usually it's the prayer meeting that goes. No desire. When was the last time you were in a prayer meeting, brother or sister? Come on. When was the last time you were in a prayer meeting? Brothers and sisters, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to try and help you. Here to try and help you. I say this because I love you. I want to see you all do well in Jesus' name. Team, you come up, please. There's a wee hymn I want Sarah to play, if you will, Sarah. 
Boys, I, th- I think it's on the laptop. Denise will help you there. And just before we close up, don't, I appreciate you want to give your offering, but don't give your offering yet. Your heart's more important than the offering. And while God's Spirit is speaking to our hearts, that thing I've wandered far away.